I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes as the Giants were victorious in Landover. 31-19 yes, over sir. the Commanders. They snapped a three-game skid as well as a five-game road skid. So we'll get into the ins and outs of that contest and... Now a quick turnaround as they get ready for the New England Patriots before they have their Week 13 bye. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. Of course, you can follow and interact with the two of us directly. At Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at GiantsWFAN. And Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. As a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So, to me, the biggest difference, Paul, between the Cowboys game and the Commanders game, and there was a lot, but there's one thing. How about the opponent, on. For fir- first sure. of all? Well, but I was <laughs> looking beyond <laughs> that, and I was getting into more of the fine well, details. That's kind of a big thing to overlook. Well, yeah, but there was also things that didn't happen against Dallas that at least early on in the game, completely changed things. And that was the fact that the Giants did take the ball away. They did make stops. Mm -hmm. They didn't do anything with it, though. Especially when they Scored on three of the six takeaways. You're talking about yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was getting at. Six takeaways, 24 points, including a pick six. And that was huge because you made Washington pay for all of its mistakes. To me, the most telling number from the game the other day is... The Commanders had 12 legitimate possessions. I'm removing the possession at the very end of the first half, and I'm removing the possession at the very end of the game because it's one play, okay? So 12 legitimate possessions. Okay. That means that if you turn the ball over six times, you took away half of Washington's possessions in which there was no way they were going to put any points on the board under any circumstances. You handicapped the Commanders based on all of those opportunistic plays. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, was a significant difference maker. Regardless of what we saw on the offensive side of the ball, what Tommy DeVito and company did, they had some explosive plays. 
it was making sure that Washington was really playing from a trailing position, regardless of the score, for the majority of the contest. Well, it's one of the things that I had asked Saquon Barkley about in the game on the MSG postgame show, and that is, you know, again, how much of a difference does it make when you can play from ahead? The game flow has really been one of the Giants' worst enemies all season long, Lance. I think we would both agree. We know the injuries have been the the top antagonist for why the Giants are where they are. But game flow has also hurt this team almost weekly, to be frank with you. It didn't hurt them yesterday. And that just goes to show you when you can capitalize on your at-bats. We're not sitting here, Paul, on the day after a game talking about, because this is the other thing that's amazing about the outcome of this game. Washington outgained the Giants in total yards. Mm-hmm. They outgained the Giants in sacks. They outgained the Giants in first downs. They outgained the Giants in rushing yards. They had nearly 10 more minutes in time of possession. Paul, if I just randomly told you all of those factors, you didn't watch a down of this game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to involve the Giants and Commanders. Would you think the team that was on the wrong end of all of those numbers yeah. would have won the game? Yeah. Uh, well, how about if you uh, said that Washington would have nine sacks? Sure. Okay, we'll throw that throw in Throw that in, too. too. Yes. Well, by the way, it was only the first time in Giants history that their quarterback was sacked nine times, and they actually still won the game. So there's another rare feat. I mean— But that's why the takeaways were so big. Well, yeah. Because you canceled out all of your other shortcomings within that contest. Giants, well, I, I don't want to get carried away with this, but this team yesterday, I know that Washington was still with a little bit of oxygen in its lungs. They came into the game yesterday with four wins. Oh, mathematically. And in mathematically much in a yeah. much better position than the Giants. Absolutely. So one would think that they had more to play for. I didn't see that on the bench yesterday. When, when those guys were out there warming up, and then when that, that game started, I will tell you, even though the Giants had you know, two kind of poultry offensive possessions before they scored a touchdown on their third possession of the game to make it 7 to nothing, I will tell you flat out, the Giants looked like they were the team that had something to lose yesterday and not the Washington Commanders. And I was so impressed by the energy, the emotion, the enthusiasm that everybody on that sideline was showing yesterday. Again, I've said this numerous times in the last week or so. I'm going to say it again. You may hear me say it before the season's over another time. This whole tank stuff is garbage. Of course, yeah. It is garbage. This team yesterday, from the very get-go, desperately wanted to win this game. Saquon Barkley, after his first touchdown, you you remember the the passing route, the wheel route he ran? He comes back to the bench, and he's going up not just to his own players to congratulate them for being able to get a touchdown drive. He's going up to the defense, and he's on the bench. He's hitting guys. Yeah, let's go, let's go. That's the kind of juice that the Giants had on the sideline yesterday. This was not a team that in any way resembled one whose season had slipped away. This was a team that desperately was playing this game as if it was for first place in the division. That's the kind of emotion, 
mentality and spirit that this team had on the sidelines. And I will say to anybody who uses that four-letter dirty word, tank, you can go take that to the moon because that's not the case here. Good luck getting to the moon. Yeah. Yeah, well, fine. Well, well that's some place to take I'll, it. I'm I'll, just saying, I'll of buy all them, the places to take it. I'll moon, buy them a one-way ticket. Uh, on a spaceship? To the moon. To the moon. They're more than welcome. I didn't know you can make it rain. They're more than welcome to jump on that rocket ship and get out of here. Okay. Because that's not flying with this team whatsoever. Well, I didn't have to even watch yesterday's game to make that case. I mean, you and I have had multiple conversations. The whole tanking narrative is a convenient narrative when fans are rooting for a higher draft pick. That's it. So deep down inside, it's ignorance is what it is. They want the team to lose, but that doesn't mean that the team itself is in line with their thinking. So. I wasn't concerned about this team not coming out and playing hard or guys being motivated because it's a young team. There's a lot of guys sure. that have their entire careers ahead of them. And I would slightly dispute the fact I didn't think Washington lost this game because they didn't have energy. I mean, for example, when you had the hit by McKinney on Sam Howell, Sam Howell's teammates went after the Giants players. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. sign. They were just as engaged. To me, in well, that game they they as didn't the they didn't like their quarterback hitting sure. the ground on a goal line play, which I was right there. Okay, I was right there when it happened. Nobody on the field understood that Howell had actually broken the plane, and he himself didn't realize no, it. He continued because to sure he he went to the corner to try to curl his way into the end zone yep. to make it more emphatic. So the Giants are not going to stop play. They had to do what they had to do. I mean, if you stop, if you pull up, not knowing exactly if that play was blown dead or not, then you're a fool. Yeah, and the ref didn't come in to sort of no, break things up. But he I didn't. wasn't I'm not disputing whether or not it was a dirty play. I'm just saying Washington went after well, McKinney when they, and that's a sign that they were still very much engaged. Well, in when the they game. saw their quarterback Correct. go down, they so got they got point. uppity. That's but my point. but yeah. I I would say the entire afternoon that Giants bench was a buzz. And it was great to see, and it was great to feel, and it was sweet to see them rewarded for it. Well, I've been saying this all season long. Takeaways are great, Paul. It's all about what you do for them. It's mm-hmm. all about what you do with them. I've been saying that nonstop. I've been saying that in previous seasons, too. And here was a game where the takeaways, there was rewards for them. You actually right. translated it into scoring opportunities. And when you do that, now you're not allowing a team to make up for the mishaps. Now, with that being said, this game was still too close for comfort, okay? Because Sam well, Howell sure. and Washington's on the field with an opportunity to get a go-ahead touchdown and potentially win the game, well, and Isaiah Simmons gets the pick six. Back to your statement earlier, you know, it was three touchdowns on the six takeaways. Yep. They also added a field goal, which is how you got to your 24 points. Uh, you want to be able to convert touchdowns on all of those suckers. Sure. Uh Isaiah Simmons made a terrific athletic play on a ball that was probably, I don't know if it was actually tipped or his arm was just impeded at the time he threw the ball, but it was like a wounded duck. And and Simmons made a very athletic play. And then he told me in the locker room afterwards he cramped up on the return. He was worried about making it all the way to the end zone. Well, guys like that are not necessarily returning it all the time. It's understandable. <laughs> 54 yards, yeah. man. It was it was cool. And that was a great way to end it. I actually thought that, that Trey Hawkins' interception was legal because I thought the receiver had run into him. I did not like that pass interference call. I thought it was, well, it was the a legal wrong. contact is what the yeah. call was. Yeah. I thought it was the wrong yeah. call. 
uh, because the receiver, in my opinion, initiated the contact and drew it. Now, you'll see that flag thrown a lot in this league. Oh, to me, that's a Because no it's hard for the officials to, to figure that out. Sure. But it was an unfortunate call because that could have ended it right there. In fact, it would have because Hawkins had the pick. Now, that would have eliminated Simmons' pick six, and I'm sure Isaiah's happy that he got a chance to run it back. For the second time in his career, the first one coming with Arizona. Yes. The other thing that I think about that Hawkins play, though, Paul, is whether or not you want to make the argument the receiver initiated the contact, Hawkins grabs him. And I think once the hands are on the guy, that is going to indicate from an optic standpoint to the official, I'm going to throw a flag. I I think Hawkins was trying to prevent himself from getting knocked over. It's possible. I mean, you'd have that, to that's to the way. I, well, I did talk well, to him did afterwards. He, did he say that? He said well, to me, he goes, the receiver ran into me. He goes, I was trying to keep my balance. Now, you know, <laughs> but remember, officials can't get in the mind exactly. of a player. I get it. They, they can't officiate it, like that, that. that. So half the me, time that's going to get called. Half the, the time thing. it won't get it's called. An thing. Exactly, exactly. But I'm saying to myself, when that happens, I'm saying to myself, oh no, we got another situation where an official at the end of the game could actually decide the outcome because you never know what Washington might have done with that drive had Simmons not picked it back and taken it for the six points. Sure. Uh, I, I, I'm going to admit, when that play happened and they took away Hawkins' pick, I was thinking of the ending of the Jets game. I'm like, oh, are you serious? The Zebras are really going to do this again? So, Well, that's because Washington had also moved the ball effectively throughout the game despite the opportunity to play. They had over 400 total yards of offense. But how is whipping it around? Well, it leads the NFL in passing yards coming in, and clearly that's not going to slow down based on his numbers against the Giants. But this was a game in which they did find a way to finish. They did find a way to complement the offense and the defense. And even the special teams had a takeaway. The other thing that I want to bring up, more often than not, sometimes people make the argument that takeaways are lucky. It's pure timing, being in the right place at the right time. If you look at the nature of all the takeaways for the Giants, with the exception of the one that Howell overthrew his intended target, I mean, that was just a bad throw, and the Giants were in position to make the interception. I'm referring to the very first the Holmes takeaway one. game. No, the Darnay uh, Holmes was later in the game. Yeah. The Darnay Holmes one. Which one? I'm I'm saying overall, yeah. all of the interceptions were a product of, and the fumbles, were a product of the Giants fundamentally making sound defensive plays on yes, the ball. Yes, totally you agree. You had Bobby Okereke getting his hand in there with a punch out. Charles Peanut Tillman. Former Bears cornerback yeah. was known. That was well, right. That's what he did. Play. That's what but he did. All the Giants were mimicking that. Cordell Flott punched it out beautifully. So which one was the gift? Well, I'm not saying it was a gift. I mean, no, listen, no. Got, you're saying they earned five of the six takeaways. Yeah, the very first interception. The first interception. The first okay, one. Let me look at that. By Nick McLeod. Yeah. The one where Sam Howell airmails it and he overthrows oh, okay. his intended okay. receiver. Okay. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't as if they deflected it or did anything. It was just Howell put it in a place where his receiver was not going to get to it. De'Ami Brown and Nick McLeod made a play on the ball. Yeah. But everything else, the okay. other five, That's fair. my point was, That's fair. was a product of either them knocking the ball out or on the Darnay Holmes interception and even the Isaiah Simmons play, they got pressure on Howell. Dexter Lawrence, yes. Aziz Ojolari. Yes. They impacted the nature of the throw because if you go back... He threw like a floater, Sam Howell, mm -hmm. which gave the defensive back a year on a Sunday to get to the ball, which is fine. Well, but what I'm saying is let's give credit to the guys up front for helping out the guys on the back end to create 
the takeaway. That's I point. like very much where you're going with this because it offends me when a team has, let's say, in this particular case, Washington had six uh, turnovers. Which is offensive. insane. Okay. Yeah. Well, you'll often see when someone looks at a stat line, and this is part of the problem, they'll look at a stat line, they'll say, oh, the Giants forced six turnovers. No, 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 no. They forced five turnovers. One of the turnovers was a gift. That's what you're talking about. That's the exactly phrase what I'm that at. a team sure. forced turnovers. Sometimes the other team just gave it to you. It was a giveaway. Yeah, or what happens? It wasn't if, really a takeaway. It was a giveaway. Sure, and I didn't mean to interrupt you. What happens if a guy slips and the ball pops out of his hand right. and he wasn't hit? Did you force the takeaway, or were you fortunate right. to be in the right I, place? And I at understand the right time? that, and yeah. I'm sure the coaches actually do log that stuff. I, I would hope. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Giants had one gift that they dropped. Pedic. Yes. And he talked about it on the call today, how his dad gave him massive grief. Because he had the one-hander in training camp. The magnificent play. He's like, yeah. you know, I knew it. As, as soon as I hit the ground, I knew my dad was going to get me on it. And, and that, was, that, was a, that was a gimme. And, and Pinnock did not, did not hold on to that. Otherwise, you're absolutely right. This, this was a game where the Giants' defense really earned their keep. And it was a much-needed performance. Because, Without a doubt. Paul, they're coming off two defensive performances where they gave up nearly 1,000 total yards mm -hmm. to the Raiders as well as the Cowboys. And you can understand how defeated, I'm sure, that unit feels. They also they had no sacks in the last two games. They got four. They got some quarterback hits. So all around, it was a true team effort. I mean, everybody had their stamp on this game, especially in terms of the opportunistic plays. Now the question is... And I know we're going to spend the remainder of the week going up against the New England Patriots and previewing, but I just want to throw this out. It's been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Paul, with the defense this season, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we've had really good performances and then not the same case the following week. Here's another offense that is struggling actually more than Washington this season. And we have no idea who's going to start. We don't know if it's Mac Jones or whether or not it's going to be Bailey Zappi. But the point is... Can you now duplicate what you did against the Commanders? And I'm not saying six takeaways. That's a volume. <laughs> That's asking that a lot, right? Through the roof, okay? They what had I six against the, the Washington then Redskins back in 2014. Yeah. Well, last time they had six So we're talking about a decade has passed yes, sir. since that last happened. Just yes, sir. Just to show you what a rare occurrence that is. But my point is, can you make plays that fluster the opposition and put yourself in a spot? to come through with stops and maybe shorten the field for the offense. Can that happen again? That's the question, and that's something to watch against New England. Well, the key being that the Giants did control the game flow, and, and I just think that that has a much bigger dramatic impact on, on what happens with this team because, look, we've seen during the middle part of the schedule when the offense was sputtering and the game flow went against them, the emotion and the mentality – clearly was impacted yeah because they understood okay look we're gonna fight we're gonna fight we're gonna fight oh geez we're down oh we're down by two scores now we got to keep fighting but uh what's the chances we're gonna be able to to make that up well guess what game flow yesterday they didn't have to fight to make stuff up they were just doing what they were doing and holding the lead the entire game i'm gonna say it again game flow against the patriots they get down against the Patriots, it's going to be a much harder victory, okay? But if they control the game flow against the Patriots, take take the lead early, 
They'll control the game flow. They'll win the game. I really feel that way. Two real quick things I want to mention to you. Kayvon Thibodeau, two more sacks. Yep. Puts him over double digits. First time Wake Martindale as a DC has had a double-digit sack guy. Okay, so great for Kayvon Thibodeau. Could do without the slap to the head at the end of the game. Penalty. And that's a textbook roughing the passer call, by the way. Unnecessary. Yeah, but I mean, if anybody wants to debate that, I would Oh, argue you can't. That's a textbook call. It's just... You don't have to like it, but based on the rule book, that is accurate. That's that's brain lock right there. You can't you can't do that. Yeah, obviously can't do that. So, but still, props to uh, to Thibodeau. Uh, the other item I wanted to mention, and Tommy DeVito's a great story. Everybody loves the fact that he threw three touchdown passes. He played from ahead. He didn't turn the ball over, which is awesome, despite being sacked nine times. By the way, which is quite I'm going to tell impressive. you this. And I just want to use this as a teaching point because every coach will do this even after victories. Tommy DeVito has to know when to get rid of the ball. To me, it is the biggest hurdle that he has before he takes his game to another level. I think of the nine sacks that the Giants gave up yesterday, and I reviewed the tape this morning. I'm going to have to do it again because it was too easy for me to charge him with more than half of the sacks because he did not get rid of the ball. And Brian Dable indicated that after the game, too. How many of the nine? Man, I could make a strong case for six out of the nine, to be honest with you. They were blitzing a little bit, too, the commanders, which I think contributed to whether or not he wanted to get rid of the ball quickly. He didn't have much of a shot. A young quarterback will often have two very significant warts to overcome. One, he gets happy feet and then chucks the ball into harm's way far too often. We've seen that yep. many, many We've times. We've seen that with veterans week. this season too, by the okay. way. Okay. The second, if it's not that, it's exactly the opposite. I'm so, so focused on not turning it over. I'm not going to throw an interception. I'm not going to throw an interception. I'm not going to throw an interception. And he holds the ball too long. And he winds up giving up a sack. Or as Carl Banks said to me, would you rather turn it over or get sacked? But remember, on the sacks, it's not like he fumbled. He held on to the ball, didn't turn it over once. I'll take the nine sacks and no turnovers. So I get it. That's the least of the two evils. But he's going to have to know when to get rid of that ball quicker as he develops more. And again, this is a guy who's only played, what, two and a half games in the National Football League. So I'm not being critical of him. It's simply a, a learning tool that, that, that he's going to have to uh, try to implement. Well, and you wonder, okay, well then, how did they overcome the nine sacks? And we talked about the takeaway, shortening the field, but... The other Some thing, big plays. Yeah, that's what I wanted to get to. They had explosive plays. They had seven explosive plays of 20-plus yards between the run and the pass. Five through the air, two on the ground. I mean, Saquon, the team had eight runs for no yards in the first half. Right. They did nothing on the ground. Right. So that's why the more and more you study this game, you say, how did the Giants win a football game where they had no rushing yards and the commanders were dictating the play in the trenches, yet... You get the explosive plays. Darius Slade in 40-yard touchdown. That was huge. Saquon, the wheel route, 24 yards. 
Darius had another pass play for 24. Wondell Robinson had one for 21. And Saquon had two 30-plus yard runs. So those add up, Paul. I think Bellinger had one, too. Bellinger had a 26-yarder. Correct. That's the mm-hmm. one that I did not mention. Mm-hmm. But the point is, if you look at the touchdown drives, they were between four to six plays. They weren't 10. They weren't 12. They weren't 13. This yeah. team cannot survive 10 to 13 play drives. Why? Because negative plays, like we saw, are going to happen. But if you have a 40-yarder or a 25-yarder, if you take a sack for a loss of seven yards now, Paul, that's not a backbreaker. You're able to overcome it and survive. And that was, in addition to the takeaways, the explosive plays. Those are the two reasons why the Giants won this football game. I'll give you a really cool number. Did you know that on each of the Giants' offensive offensive scoring drives, I'm going to take Simmons's sure. pick six out of it. And that's an explosive play too, by the way. It is. 54-yard pick six. It is. Yeah. But on each of their offensive scoring drives, because they had three touchdowns and a field goal, Yep. those four drives on each one of them, they converted a third down. And they also, I guarantee you, I believe they may have had an explosive play on each of those drives. Well, let's see. They had two explosive plays on the first touchdown drive. Uh, The second touchdown drive, uh, they had uh, the Slayton touchdown. That's Okay, that was explosive. Yep. Okay. So that's two for two. Uh, Third touchdown drive, uh, Barkley had the explosive 36 and 26-yard runs. So there you go. Okay. That's three. And the field goal drive. Barkley, 31 yards. Okay, so see? You don't think that's a coincidence? That's what I'm talking about. And those were other elements that have been lacking in previous weeks. You don't have explosive plays. You're playing from behind. The defense knows it. And now you methodically have to move the ball up and down the field. It's just, it's not going to work under those circumstances. And you talked about the fast start in terms of what they need to duplicate against New England. The Giants scored a touchdown in the first quarter for the first time this season. That had not happened at all. You had field goals. I wanted to shoot off fireworks, but they wouldn't let me have them on the sidelines. Well, something tells me the commanders wouldn't have wanted you to do that. <laughs> Maybe if you were at midlife, you could have orchestrated that. But, I mean, we're talking about, once again, getting over multiple hurdles. And when you do that, you give yourself a fighting chance. The takeaways, the explosive plays, scoring early, not putting the defense in a precarious spot, the defense shortening the field for the offense— All of those things were apparent, and it added up to a long-awaited W for the Giants. A few reminders before we open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Giants had a podcast. You can check that out, giants.com slash podcast, and you can also check it out on your favorite podcast platform. Single tickets still available on sale now. Don't miss the Giants at MetLife Stadium. Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat and the Giants official connected TV streaming app. Giants TV, it brings you original video content, game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the phone lines. As we move forward here, we check in with James in Georgia. James, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? What's going on, Dave, fellas? You're doing all right. What's on your mind? Nothing much. It's a good win. That was a good win. You never play the game to lose. Football is the hardest game to tank in. There's just so many uh, situations. Now, I 
I was listening to the Chris Canty show, and Canty, you know, he said, which I agree with there in all sports, is um, validity to tanking. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to do in football. Then other sports are a little bit easier, but there is validity. And he brought up um, Jaguars a couple of years ago, you know, tanking to, you know, quote-unquote tanking because you knew Trevor Lawrence was coming up the, the year after that. Well, so, the, the rationale behind yeah. that is that teams sometimes will part ways with talent or play younger guys because right, 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 perhaps right. it positions them to not have a successful run in a game to close it out. But right. that's and still they not. Say we're looking at younger guys. Correct. We're exactly. Not playing our but, best players, things like that. Yeah, but those guys are still playing hard, though. That's the point. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, but it is you, what it but is. When you put like a, a, a third string, the third string offensive line out there to play for the whole season, yeah, that third string offensive line is going to play hard. But, you know, the general manager says, here's the guys you're going with, you know. Yeah, well, there's limitations. For... But, I mean, but the bottom line is, James, that doesn't apply to the Giants because the Giants are playing their regular guys. Correct. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm not, saying, yeah. I'm not saying this applies to the Giants, like, but we are earning a pretty low pick this year, no matter where we end up. And the same way Gettleman sat up there and said, you know, you got to take your franchise quarterback. There are better quarterbacks coming out this year than when Daniel Jones came out. I don't know any quarterbacks that came out besides Jones that are still starting in the league from that year. Yeah, Kyler Murray. You know oh, Kyle, oh, yeah, Kyle, yeah. Kyler Murray just got Kyler Murray and Jones, and uh, Kyler Murray just got back. We might not see Jones for the same situation till week seven, week eight next year. But the just the production standpoint from like Jones's college career from the I can give you six quarterbacks right now from they have better um you know college or Well, I mean James, that may be the case, but the bottom line is as we said, we have no idea where the Giants are picking. So, I mean, you're still operating in the land of the unknown <laughs> regardless. This is true. This, this is true and and you have uh, guys like Jaden Daniels who's you know not even projected till maybe the second round who has way more production than what Daniel Jones had in college. So when you say, when you justify, you know, taking a quarterback over what you have now, if it's a production business, just look at what, you know, the guy has done versus the guy you have now and what he did when he was in college. And you just have to project, hey, this guy might do Sure, but I, I think, I think James, listen, there's more to it, and I appreciate the phone call. The reason why, Paul, not to get completely off topic, I don't buy the production in college argument for quarterbacks. You can't. Is how many Heisman Trophy winners, hold on, won the award and were very productive at quarterback and never panned out in the NFL? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that to me is the perfect example of how you can't go based on production alone. That is probably the most shallow reason you could ever yeah. give to draft a quarterback. Quite frankly, it's, it's preposterous. Yeah. As far as where the Giants will pick, heck, they're one win away from being outside the top ten. I mean, there's such a cluster right now of teams that have four wins in this league. Everybody's and the, punched together. And the Giants yeah. right now have three. And believe you me, uh, their schedule is easier in the second half of the season. Whether or not Tommy DeVito holds the job or Tyrod Taylor steps back in, you look at the remaining games on the Giants' schedule – 
And they're playing teams in their weight class. They should be competitive against a bunch of these teams. And they well, will at least have the next two, I would say. New England and Green Bay have their fair share of question marks. I, I, I mean, New Orleans I, and Philadelphia, I wouldn't necessarily I think the Rams are class. very very we'll much see. in their weight class, too. Rams have had some issues. I mean, Stafford's back now. So, you know, I don't so. think it's unthinkable to think the Giants could win another three or four games. I don't think that's totally insane. It's not. And if you finish with six or seven wins by the end of the season, guess what? You're not going to pick in the top five. That's why you all know? these you may, you may wind up yeah. being like 10 or 12. Yeah, and you may not be in the vicinity of a player such as a quarterback that you have a great deal of interest in as a result. It all depends yeah. where know. you land and how your draft board is stacked. So... It's again that kind of conversation is just so premature. So please, please don't throw out there. We think the Giants are going to be picking in the top three, or they're going to be picking in the top five. Look, if you've got a winning lottery ticket, go cash that winning lottery ticket, and then you could tell us where the Giants are going to pick and who they're going to take, because then obviously you know. But none of us do. Here's the other thing that I wanted to add on before we go back to the phones here. With respect to the last caller's point about the depth of this quarterback class may be better than 2019, and you know, I haven't necessarily started to delve into my full analysis of the draft class, but even if we operate, that there's some validity behind that, mm -hmm. who's to say that every organization, including the Giants, Paul, see the depth the same way? Right. For example, the Giants on their board, when they analyze the quarterbacks, they may say, we like two guys. There may be, the pundits may say there's four or five that have the potential to go in the first round and be starters for X amount of years. But through the Giants' lens, they only like two of the guys. So then is your argument as a fan, well, take the third guy, even though there's no love fest in the draft room. How does that make any sense? It doesn't. So, so that's the other reason it's why. It's criminal yeah. if you force a quarterback higher than what you believe him to be. Yeah. So Now, I will say this, okay? None of us necessarily thought that Daniel Jones was going to go at that point. But when you have intel that says he will get taken if we wait, well, now you have to do it. So that would be the only acceptable reason to take a quarterback a little bit higher on the board than maybe what you have. If, you, if you're pretty well sure that, okay, that's the only other guy we're like, we like him. He may not be our favorite guy, but yeah. we really like him. And then after that, there's a huge cavern. Well, now, you know what? It doesn't matter about draft slot because you say to yourself, hey, that guy meets our standard. He's good enough to do what we expect him to do, and the rest of the guys aren't. Yeah, but you, Now you have to take him. Well, but remember, you're classifying the guy that you're talking about as you like him. You have to. You have to. That's my point. You have to have good grades on him or yeah. you can't even think about drafting him. Correct. Now, once I have not studied any. I've, I've watched some college football, obviously, but I have not studied anyone for draft purposes yet. All right? I don't do that until after, at the, the very end of the season when bowl games are going and stuff. I've been told that there are five potential first-round draft choice quarterbacks in this draft. We all know who the top two are. Most people seem to think that after Williams and May, there is a drop, and then there are three other guys who will be somewhere in the rest of the first round. That seems to be the feeling. Well, guess what? If your team doesn't share that opinion, they're going to have a very different approach to the draft. 
right? And that is going to fluctuate from team to team. What yeah. What if, what if, and I, I guarantee you this, there are teams that think Williams is the best quarterback in this draft, and I also guarantee you there are teams that don't. Yeah. I guarantee that. I mean, do we really need to bring up the names? Josh Rosen? You know? I was actually going to go to the do we, 2018 Do we, we really need really Sam Donald? Do we really need to start talking about these guys? Which also goes to show you, you may feel good about a guy. They're all not going to pan out. It's impossible. When was the last time, other than Eli, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger, Paul, when three guys that were taken high all worked out yeah. for their respective teams? It doesn't happen very often. So you also need to take that into consideration. Now, if you love a guy, you can't think about, well, it's unlikely two guys went before us, so the third guy's not going to work out. No. That's not rationale, but 2018, you had Baker, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. He went later. All those guys were taken in the first round. Lamar and Josh Allen are the only two guys still on their current yeah. teams. Lamar was, Lamar was the, the outlier there. Yeah. There were some people who thought he might sneak into the bottom of the first round, sure. but for the most part... The conversations that everybody had, there's got to be four top blue-chip quarterbacks in this draft. I was a Josh Allen guy all the way and did not like the other three. But most people would tell you it was probably 20, 20, uh, 20, and 40. You know, Baker was the guy who seemed to have, I think, the most pop. I think most people thought he was the best out of the four. And then the other guys were kind of clustered together. I was always a Josh Allen guy. Uh, Jackson never entered the conversation for me because he was always that number five. He was the outlier who was supposed to be way down at the other end. And by the way, how many postseason games has has, uh, Lamar Jackson directed his team to victory in? Now, I'm not going to get into the one loss thing for quarterbacks because that's BS. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. But Lamar Jackson, okay. He is so much of a runner and has had so many injuries, you could question the validity of his value. Well, but this despite season, his MVP. Well, but this season though, he's not running now, as much. So a, a smart man. Well, also they got he a new, finally figured well, they it have out. A new offensive coordinator. Yes, who's helping yes. Todd Munkin, who I talked about it before the season. I think it's a really nice match, but he's helped the team win a lot of games, Paul. Okay. They may not have a Super Understood. Bowl trophy, but they're Understood. winning more often than they're losing. So Lamar Jackson's a better credit. quarterback now than he had been at any other time in his career. Yeah, which goes to show you the environment and the play caller shapes it, the QB. It, and when you smarten up and stop running like a maniac. Yeah. Here's another example before we head back to the lines. And I know sample size is small, but Bryce Young went number one overall this year, right? Right. C.J. Stroud was the second guy, and Stroud is outperforming Bryce Young. No doubt. Now, that may not continue. I don't know. We got to wait and see. Do we need to go to Manning and Leaf? Do we need to go there too? Well, (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't put Bryce Young in Ryan Leaf's category, but I think that there's a little bit different factor. But the point is, C.J. Stroud is having a really strong season, and he's uplifting Houston, and it hasn't clicked necessarily for Bryce Young in Carolina. So, you know, environment, your house, and whether or not it's in order is going to tell. Whether or not I feel bad we got on to wasted time on this whole quarterback oh, I mean, listen, conversation. It's going to come just, up again. I, it, that's going to continue to come up. Here's the so, day after the Giants just came up with this great victory over Washington, and we're wasting time talking well, about the draft listen, of the quarterbacks because the caller decided he hey, wanted to go there. The bottom line is we took 30 minutes to break down the game, so let's not overlook okay. that, Paul. Okay? Okay. There is substance here. Okay. All right? I think you're moving that to the wayside. Don't let one call all of a sudden ruin your mojo here. We'll, uh, we'll bring it back full circle, I promise. All right, Leroy is in Charleston, joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Leroy? 
Hey, how you guys doing? Doing all right. What's on your mind? Good, good, man. Hey, the last time I was on, man, I was real critical of one of the players, man, Paul, and you told me to give the kid a break. And I wanted to call in and apologize for that. Who um, who was the player? Uh, Michael Fadden, man. He's playing so much better, man. Well. I I, got to give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. I got to give. Now, now, here's the deal, man. You know, it's like I couldn't remember the grief we gave Gettleman when he when he let uh, Odell left. But now you look at that trade, man. We got Dexter Lawrence in that trade, man. Yep. And he could be, he could possibly be the best interior defensive lineman in the game. He's right you know, up there. And Gettleman did a good job with that, man. Yep. And and then he brought in, he brought in Saquon, and Saquon could be the best running back in him. And he brought us two goal jacket guys, even like he used to call them. So I don't like to see them guys talk about Gettleman, man, like that because he and he brought in Daniel. I think Daniel's going to be a, a a pretty good quarterback for us. We just got to get an offensive line for him, man. And that's all he needs. And, and that was it. I just wanted to talk about, the, about those two guys, man. Appreciate uh, the call. Okay. Yeah, well, we Thank you, sir. In. McFadden is probably the most improved Giants player on this roster, by the way. No doubt about it. I mean, every week he's doing something. And he was involved with the takeaways this week, too. Again, he's always front and mm-hmm. center in a loss of yardage in the backfield, taking away the ball. I mean, him and Bobby Okereke, by the way, have great chemistry. They really right? work well together. I mean, they are so in sync with one another. Yes, they are. Another takeaway that was a product of the two of those guys being in the right place at the right time after the Buffalo game, if you recall. Mm-hmm. They hooked up for a pair of takeaways. So that has stood out to me. And the other thing that's impressive is you go back to the conversations we had in the offseason. It was Darian Beavers, okay, coming off the torn ACL and McFadden. Who I still nice like, by the way. I'm not giving guy. up on Beavers. I'm not telling you to give him up. Okay, I won't judge you. Okay. You could keep him in your favorite plan, (laughs) I promise. But the point is, in the span of a few months, we're not even talking about the loss of Darian Beavers anymore. Well, right. There's no room for him at this point. Because McFadden has performed and then some Mm -hmm. above expectation. Exactly. And Wink, remember, Wink, and I'm not saying that coaches should not talk up their players, but give Wink credit. Wink had indicated Every day in training camp, Mike is showing us something. And he wasn't hiding back. And he said, Mike is doing everything to position himself to be the starter. And the player has backed up the coach here. Wink is also the guy who, before last season, decided that Dexter Lawrence was going to play more nose instead of just playing defensive tackle. No, we're going to line him up over that center, and he's going to punish people. And I remember Wink saying, if he's not all NFL, it's my fault. Because he knew how to bring out the best in Dexter Lawrence. And he did. I think Andre Patterson deserves credit too. I would not. I would coach. not dispute that either. I think, I'm sure they worked hand in hand. Yeah, well, especially what Patterson did in Minnesota. And you think about all those great defensive mm-hmm. linemen. I don't think that's a coincidence either. All right, let's head back to the phone lines and we check in with Garrison in Mississippi. Garrison, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? What's up, Lance? What's up, Paul? Hi. Um, I right. haven't called in. Hey, uh, I haven't called in since the draft. Uh, I've been listening to everything y'all been doing. Y'all been doing a good job and i appreciate it uh i just wanted to talk about the defense and some sure. points um i know washington was like a middle of the pack russian defense uh they have what wasn't like a 6.2 rushing average they gave rush? up they gave up five and a half yards of carry last year which was which was a terrible number but again 
Wink Martindale does not prioritize that number. When he constructs yeah. his game plan, that is not one of his highly sought-after stats. Okay. Because uh, I know they're not that top. They're a top passing team, but not much of a rushing. I was trying to see, like, who who was mostly the run stoppers, like, next to, like, Dexter Lawrence? Well, it's O'Kara uh, Like, who was playing the most snaps? O'Kara like, as of last run. week, going into this week, Bobby O'Kara had more run play tackles than anybody in the National Football League. So there, there's your answer. Well, but Garrison, just for okay. clarification, I'm a little confused. Are you talking about the Giants I'm defending? The front. No, no, but are yeah, you yeah, talking the about Giants, the, the, the Giants defending uh, the Washington? Washington okay, I thought we were talking about yeah, the yeah, opposite. Yeah. That's why I was confused. Well, here's yeah, the thing with with Washington. Okay, with Washington's run game. Keep in mind what they've been doing the last few weeks is Brian Robinson, who's their top back, and Antonio Gibson did not yeah, play. The power back. He, he was out due to injury, but they're using Robinson as a receiver. And you saw that mm-hmm. yesterday. He had seven catches for 58 yards. So a big yeah. part of Washington's run game is not the conventional run game. It's what they do to get their backs out in open space. So that's what you have to be aware of when you play Washington, maybe more so than any other team because they utilize him so much in the passing attack. To, uh, to your question, Bobby Okereke has 43 tackles this year, total tackles against a running play. That is number one in the league. Zaire Franklin, Zaire Franklin has a 39. He is in second place, four behind Okereke. Just for your own information. Colts, isn't he? Who's that? Yeah, Franklin's with the Colts. That's correct. Yes. Okay, yeah. that's what yes. I thought. Yes. Um, Where Okereke came from. That's right. <laughs> they were teammates. Yeah. Um, yeah, because defense did good that this with turnovers, six. That was one thing that, just, that caught my eye was the rushing attack. Uh, one question, uh, I'll take it off air. Unless y'all get the other calls, um, I just had a thought. Um, what's y'all's opinion? That four names are coming to me um, that are on like one-year deals. Do you think they did enough to be on this team for next year? Xavier McKinney, Isaiah Simmons, Boogie Basham, and Sterling Shepard. Because I'm pretty sure we're going to get Saquon Barkley back. But those are four throughout this season. Do y'all think they will be on the team next year? And I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good day. All right, Garrison. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks for giving us a ring. So he named four players, and a few of them are on expiring contracts. I think that's what he was referencing, like McKinney, who was on his rookie deal. I think all four of them are. Yeah. No, but what I'm saying is he worded in one-year contracts. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. You know, McKinney didn't sign a one-year deal. Right. He was on his rookie right. contract. All which four is of them could be free agents at the end of the year. That's, that's the right. point. Yeah, correct. I mean, I happen to agree with him, by the way. Barkley, I think, will be back. Let's just say that aside from the four guys he named. I agree. I think Barkley will be back. I think Isaiah Simmons has probably the best chance of the other four of returning. But to be honest, there are still, what, another month and a half, two months to go in the season. And let's just see how those guys get utilized and what kind of production they have. Basham has not had a lot of snaps. Shepard has not had a lot of snaps. Simmons has been getting more. And he's been doing something with them. And I know they really, really like his, his abilities. And I think with a fresh off season to learn the system, I think he'll have a bigger part on this team next year. I'm, I'll go out on a limb and say I think there's a better chance Simmons returns of the four guys he named. 
Well, based on usage, I think that makes sense. Also, if you just look at it from the financial lens too, which obviously plays a role, I think McKinney has the potential to earn the most out on the open market, meaning competition-wise. And I suspect, much like when Landon Collins took a free agent deal from Washington, all it takes is one person out there to offer you a big number, yep. and then you're gone. Then I put Simmons second on the list in terms of finances, would you agree? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. I mean, you could pick Boogie versus Sterling Shepard. Right, right. And listen, if they like Boogie as a complimentary guy, it's not unheard of to bring him back because it's not like you got to break open the piggy bank to bring mm -hmm. a player like that back. Remember, he was a late ad to begin with. Right. Right before the season started. So I, I don't just, think that would be a stunning development. I just think that with, uh, with Belton and with uh, Pinnock here, the Giants probably think that they've got two economically friendly safeties yep. that they won't necessarily have to chase McKinney's numbers. Possible. And I think somebody out there is going to throw a big number at him. So I don't want to disparage McKinney as a player or as one of the co-captains on this team. Heck, I'm glad he's here. But you know what? You can't control the other team's offers. And I think someone will will probably knock his socks off. Well, he's a versatile player, so he's not your typical safety. However, with that being said, and this is why I'm going to be interested, last year's safety market, Paul, did not turn out no, it as was expected. lower. It was lower than many people thought. Jordan Poyer of the Buffalo Bills did not get the money he had hoped. Julian Love, of course, ending up with Seattle. Does that market repeat itself? Perhaps. But once again, I think McKinney's skill set a little bit different than some of those other guys I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And that means that all it takes is one team, to your point, that they envision right. him and their scheme and they're willing to spend more in terms of the percentage of the cap. That's why money is going to play a role when the caller asks what's the likelihood of guys exactly. returning, you start with the money. And you, then have, you have to, you you have to take down. that heavily into account. Yeah. You have to. But if you went by usage slash versatility, it's possible Simmons becomes appealing to Wink because of what he's been able to tap into. That's where I'm yeah. going. I'm with you. The combination of the potential uh, offer to McKinney from elsewhere and Simmons's athleticism under Wink's system, with those two things combined, I'm saying I think Simmons has the best chance to return. All right. Let's reopen up the phone lines as we move forward here Bob. on Monday's edition <laughs> of Big Blue Kickoff Live. He was trying to be incognito. That's he okay. Gave him away. He was we, so we can let the fans crafty, know he's here. Though. No, I understand that, but he was doing such a I'm good job. I'm having fun. But now he's going to have to make an appearance. Say hi to everybody. Will you, yeah. Bobby? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Say hi to everybody. There you go. Bye, everybody. Yes. <laughs> In and out. <laughs> Just like that. All right. Back to the conversation here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Greg is in Atlanta joining us on the program. What's happening, Greg? Hey, how you doing, Paul, man? Hi. Doing right. What's on your mind? It's been a while since I called, man. Just sitting back and looking at being very frustrated at what I'm seeing. That You know, I kind of feel, I haven't heard anyone say this, but I'm 50 years old, and it's like the worst football I've ever seen by my Giants since I was a kid, man. Like, this has like, got to be the worst. So... I don't know That's if I go that far, but yeah, you you you, you yeah. weren't watching a couple of years yeah, ago. I was gonna say, Maybe right? your TV yeah. blew out. I, I, you know I, that's I've possible. I, I'm a true I'm a true fan, and I've seen a lot. But just it's hard to stomach the two the forty zip by the by the Cowboys in the beginning, and then uh, just getting blown out like that's something that we're not used to. Even 
in our bad years, it seemed like we were in game. We just wasn't getting routed so bad. But that's just my opinion. But I'm calling just for two reasons. Um, one, the play of uh, – I'm starting to question the play of Daniel Jones in my head because I know we have a bad offensive line. But I'm going back and looking at our games, and I'm starting to say think to myself that I think Daniel Jones got happy feet because – it's too many times he's quick to try to escape the pocket. And as I seen um, Tyrod Taylor come in, he delivers some downfield throws with pressure by standing there knowing he's going to take the hit and deliver. And then they put DeVito in, and I'm seeing DeVito stand, take nine sacks. Don't turn the ball over, but at certain times in the game, he can deliver a ball downfield. And I, I'm starting to think, it's only two conclusions I could draw from Daniel Jones is that either he's not understanding the offense pre-snap, like what where his one-on-one matchup should be, or he's getting happy feet and ready to escape the pocket before the play is even developed to his full potential. So I'm starting to wonder if we should keep hold on to Daniel Jones, or he in his third or fourth year he has got to get better, man, at making his decision making because the the veto showed me yesterday that even with a bad line, you still can score at some point in the game or move the ball down the field at some point. And the second thing, uh, what's the name? Um, Jonathan Casillas? Yeah. Yep. Him and Lance did a, yeah, they did a show last week on Thursday, I think, and I missed it, so I went back and watched it. And, and um, Casillas spoke to exactly what I called in last year about about being frustrated and there has to be a leader in the locker room. At, somebody has to get mad at what's going on because i just never seen us play so poorly. So I just think that, you know, and it was debated with me that, that um, they, you know, these guys make millions. They don't need a leader. They don't. So I'm just saying I play sports, but I don't know if Bill can high level. After high school, I stopped. But even in high school, I, you know, on some level, you got to get mad at what you see going on. And, and I think being vocal about it sometimes helps. And that's all I was trying to say, having a vocal leader sometimes helps because getting blown out, you should stop, pause, talk to your team like, yo, we all play professional sports. Are we going to let this happen? Like, we can't connect on a play? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But I'm glad we won yesterday. Um, I'll take your um, feedback off air. And, guys, I hope we can keep this rolling at least to try to finish the season well. All right, Greg. Appreciate the phone call. And I guess his last point is he's talking about what happened on the sideline in the Cowboys game Mm. and how guys were emotional. And Jonathan and I were talking about that and how it's an emotional game. They're human beings. And we had those conversations, Paul. So, yeah, it's not the crime of the century if guys are a little bit irritated. Not that they were fighting with one another and it was showcasing bad blood, but I have no problem with that. And I think any time you're losing, you would expect guys to react like that because if they were smiling ear to ear, it'd be even a bigger issue and the fans would be even more critical. So I'm assuming he's basically echoing the sentiments of what Jonathan and I were discussing. As far as the Daniel Jones observation, there have been some plays, Paul, where, and Daniel's even admitted it himself, he's holding on to the ball, he runs towards the sideline. Remember the Cowboys game, the first one, and he threw it to Stephon Gilmore as opposed to just stepping out of play or throwing it away? He'd be the first one to uh, admit that, but Daniel is also a bigger athletic threat 
And this is where I would hesitate in making comparisons between him and Tommy DeVito until Tommy plays well, a lot <clears throat> more games. Let's just say for the first time this year, the Giants had the same offensive line for two weeks in a row. Yep. It also included their star left tackle, Andrew Thomas. And the lineup also included Saquon Barkley, who is, if not, quote, fully healthy, close to full health. Circumstances are completely different. 100%. I do, though, think it is a fair observation to say in today's NFL, though, there are a lot of quarterbacks that can't wait around for ideal offensive lines to come to fruition. It's true. Meaning you're going to have to go through a season where the O-line is not fully healthy. You're going to have to go through seasons where guys are in and out of the lineup. And the quarterbacks that can handle that better than others are the ones that hang around longer and stay with their current team. So I think that is a fair observation because I guess what I'm getting at is the conversation every single year, Paul, and this is not a shot at Daniel Jones, but it can't be, okay, this is going to be the year where all five no, offensive linemen stay healthy. I know. So we're going to finally see what Daniel could do for 16, 17 games when the offensive line stays healthy because that's not realistic. The poster child for that train of thought is Archie Manning. Anybody who knows anything about NFL history will tell you that Archie Manning was the best quarterback who never got a real chance because no matter what happened to him, whether he was with the Vikings at the end of his career or when he was with the Saints for all those earlier seasons, everybody, everybody knew anything about pro football knew that Archie Manning had an incredible skill set. And he also had a very, very high level of mobility, which allowed him to survive as long as he was because this poor guy was getting pummeled. I mean, he was literally running a New York City marathon on every snap. That's how bad it was. And it has always been said by anyone who has any concept of National Football League history that Archie Manning was the best unprotected quarterback or the best circumstantial quarterback that probably ever played, had he had any sense of decency around him, this guy would have been multiple all-pro. No, Archie's a great example, and there's plenty of other guys. I mean, if we go back to David Carr, Derek's brother, who was Well, his rookie season ruined him. He's another guy, right? It was unfortunate. He did become a bit of a journeyman and hung around in the NFL, but... It hurt him so much early in his career that it was hard to regroup and recover at that point. But right now the focus is Daniel Jones getting healthy, more so than anything yeah. else. He's got to go through the rehab process. has to have the surgery first. The mm -hmm. swelling's got to go down. And then the Giants will assess the situation. But let's see what happens with Tommy DeVito. Let's see a bigger sample size before we start drawing comparisons to, okay, this quarterback operates like that way versus what Daniel did. I just, it's so small at this point. If you're looking for something to grade or something to chew on and something that you want to be able to take from what happens during the rest of the season, we know Tommy DeVito is going to start this week against the Patriots. Yep. After that, Tyrod Taylor has the opportunity to come off of Because he would have been sitting out for four games by then. We yeah. don't know what the, what his medical status is, although I expect him to be healthy enough to come back. We don't know that for well, they sure. they have not ruled him out for the season. Right. Nobody publicly has done that. Okay. But we don't know what the coach's timetable is in terms of when he'd like to get Tyrod Taylor back in the lineup. It is also possible that Tommy DeVito, who has shown improvement in each of his three appearances, maybe they decide that, you know what? 
Tommy DeVito gets to keep the job. Yep. They might decide that and use the last two months as an audition for Tommy DeVito to solidify his role as a backup on this team. Because Tyrod Taylor does have, I believe, a voidable year in his contract to where he could opt out after this season and become a free agent, and you may not be able to get him back. Yeah, and he's an older quarterback. Sure. So he's going to cost more from that standpoint. So All of those things. this factor. could be Tommy DeVito's audition to be an NFL backup next season for the New York football Giants. So don't discount that, and if they decide to let him play it out, it's because they want to find out exactly what he is. And then by that time, I would argue the last caller's point you at least have more to operate with how Tommy performs within the offense. So that's the other thing. The other thing, real quickly, before we wrap up, and was a big difference maybe in comparison to when Daniel Jones had been under center, guys made plays yesterday, Paul, okay? You know, I just want to circle back to where we started. One drop. Yeah. That's it. You didn't have those mental One mistakes. drop. Tommy DeVito throws the ball deep down the right sideline. Saquon runs a beautiful wheel route. Makes the catch. Yep. Okay. Darius Slade in middle of the field makes the catch 40 yards to the Bellinger pass. catch and run. Bellinger. Okay. Darius makes another catch for 24 yards. How about when when early in the game, I believe it was the first series, Barkley skying down the right sideline to go make that beautiful grab and stay yep. in bounds? They made plays for the guy. Which brings me to one other point that I wanted to mention. Saquon the receiver. We saw more of that than we've seen in quite some time, Paul. We thought we would see it last year when they were running him like like heck as a receiver during training camp. And then they did it again this year. And maybe, again, game flow has a lot to do with it. Barkley said it to me on the postgame show yesterday. Sure. He flat out said it. He goes, that the, the wheel route that they ran for the touchdown, he's like, we run that in training camp all the time. I keep asking them to let me go. I want to run the play. Yeah. Well, they finally ran it. How well did it do? Yeah, I just the reason I throw that out real quickly here before we end the show is there's not a linebacker that can keep up with it, and that's why I wonder if we're going to see more of that moving forward. Because count me in. No, I know you. (laughs) No, the reason I say that is because the adjustment for the Giants was okay. We cannot manufacture a run game up the gut. They did have some success off the edges, right? But throwing the ball to Barkley for four to five yards is the same as giving it to him on the ground, right? Right. It's an extension of the run game. What difference? Getting Barkley vertical, to me, has always been something that I thought we would see based on training camp practices. And for whatever reason, well, last year, look, they made the playoffs. Brian Dable was coach of the year. No one's being critical of how the Giants operated last season because they were a postseason team. Yep. But I will say there was stuff in that playbook that we never got to see last year. We thought we'd get to see it this year, and then the roof caved in. Well, that's more of a reason why it was nice to see the Giants get those different facets to be intertwined, and it added up to a 31-19 victory for Big Blue. We appreciate everybody tuning in, as that is going to wrap up Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Today's episode of BBKL is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. We'll be back up and running again on Tuesday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. We'll have a show on Wednesday this week, no show on Thanksgiving, and then a show on Friday just for everybody to plan accordingly, especially if you do want to catch up on the archives like one of the previous callers mentioned. Even if you miss it live, you can still at least anticipate four shows this week as opposed to five. And I'm sure we'll make up for it 
with something on the Giants Huddle podcast and <laughs> 75 other features that we have on the team website. I promise you, you will not be cheated. With that being said, for Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. We'll speak to you on Tuesday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.